I'm Liani Stienkamp from STBB, and today we're going to be discussing what to look out for when signing an offer to purchase. Whether you are buying your dream home, investment property, or even just a holiday home, it all starts off with signing that offer to purchase. And before you put pen to paper, it's important that you understand what you are exactly signing and what are the clauses that are important to look out for. And that's exactly what we will be discussing today. The clauses that we are going to be discussed today is going to be the footstoots clause, it's going to be your compliance certificates clause, and then also your additional clauses. So to start off with, we with the footstoots clause. This clause in general refers to you as a buyer and your, you as a seller selling or buying a property as it is. That means with all the latent and the patent defects that goes with it. And patent, in this sense, refers to those visible defects like a cracked window or a crack in the wall or things that you can visibly see, as opposed to your latent defects, which are those non-visible defects that you can't see, like a geezer that's broken or things in that regard. And your seller is actually indemnified against those patent and latent defects. Latent, of course, the ones that... Uh, they didn't disclose in the property, but also didn't know about. And if you are a buyer buying a property, you need to know that this clause is going to be in your offer to purchase and that you need to understand that your seller cannot be held liable for any of those patent or latent defects. This clause then has that obligation that it confers on you as a buyer to actually inspect the property to know what you are buying. If you are inspecting a property, then it refers to that having to open up the cupboards, opening up the drawers, making sure that you know exactly what you are buying because the property is as it is, that is how you will be buying it. This includes that inspection of building plans, servitudes, all those type of things that relate to the property plans um, as well and the title deeds and conditions that go with it because you as the buyer need to make sure what you are buying and that obligation is a duty on your part not on the seller's part to actually disclose all of those defects or um, as the property is. It's important then that you as, your, as the buyer uh, is really sure about these clauses. The second clause that we are going to be discussing is then the compliance certificate clause. Now, compliance certificates are one of those clauses that actually gets overlooked quite frequently. And the reason why we're actually highlighting this clause today is because it's important to understand what certificates your seller or buyer is liable for to get in terms of the property. Now, just to step a bit back in terms of compliance certificates, compliance certificates are actually certificates issued by the relevant specialist stating that the property is risk-free risk or that the property is actually safe to live in. And these certificates specifically relate to your electrical fence, electrical compliance, gas appliances, uh, your beetle, all those type of certificates that goes with the property. Now, in your offer to purchase, it said it would state that who is responsible for getting those certificates and it's important that there's consensus between you as the buyer and the seller about which certificates the seller is liable to get and the fact that the seller is liable to get those certificates because 
there are additional costs that are always involved in these obtaining of certificates and fixing the property in such a way that it is actually compliant in terms of the Health and Safety Act. And you need to make sure that you understand that whether you are liable to obtain these certificates or which certificates you need to get when you are a buyer and the property is being transferred. So in terms of your compliance certificate clause, be sure that you know that the certain certificates are highlighted that you as a buyer need to get in terms of a property. This, the third clause that we'll be dealing with is then additional clauses. Additional clauses are clauses that are inserted in your offer to purchase or perhaps highlighted in your offer to purchase. And these clauses you need to make sure of that uh, you actually understand what obligations are conferred in those uh, additional clauses. Additional clauses can be your 72-hour clause. Now, your 72-hour clause is a clause where uh, your seller has the right to actually continue marketing a property until such time as he receives another offer or a more competitive offer. And if he receives that offer, he can then put it to the buyer and give him 72 hours to either make the first offer unsuspensive or to come um, with a better offer. It's important to know that, you that this clause is in your contract if you are a buyer because if you are buying that property, you want to make sure that you can comply with all the suspensive conditions before the, uh, the seller perhaps gets another offer or that you are able to commit to making yours unsuspensive. Um, this is very important, especially if you don't want to lose your house, um, the, the prospective house that you want to buy as the buyer. That's your 72-hour clause. Another clause that is also additional is the building plan clause. Now, building plans, like we've discussed previously in the Footstuds Clause, is the fact that building plans do not form part of your Footstuds Clause. It's, your seller is also not obligated to provide you with those plans on registration of a property. So, if you wanted plans, you needed to additionally make provision for building plans in your offer to purchase. Otherwise, the seller is not liable to provide you with those plans. The seller is, however, liable to have all structures on the property uh, to be in a legal state and legally erected on the property and so on, but the, the actual providing of the plans isn't a requirement by the seller. So for argument's sake, if your seller didn't know that there were additional improvements on the plans and they, you didn't put the requirement in your offer to purchase of approved building plans, then that uh, that defect would then fall within the ambit of the footstuds clause and your seller would not be liable to have to fix the plans or to provide updated approved plans to you as the buyer. So that deals with building plans and with 72-hour clause. The other clause is also fixtures and fittings. Fixtures and fittings are those things uh, that are attached to the property that would be considered as uh, fixtures. So it's those that are bolted to the wall um, and also hung in the wall, on the walls. Things like that would be considered as fixtures. However, fittings are those things that you can remove, it's like say pictures or mirrors. Um, they are only attached to the wall by way of screws or nails or things in that regard. So 
a good way of explaining this is that if you took your house and you turned it upside down and you shake it and everything that falls down would be considered fittings, that which stays to the property is considered fixtures. It's important to understand what is fixtures and what is fittings in your property to manage your expectation as the buyer and the seller about what you are buying and what you will be getting on transfer of the property. A good example is a rifle safe which may be bolted to the wall. Now that rifle safe is specific to the seller's needs and he put it in the property for his specific needs and that is why in his mind he thought, okay, I'll be taking this rifle safe with me on transfer. But because it's bolted to the wall, it's actually considered a fixture and it needs to stay in the property unless he specifically excluded it. Uh, good examples always include, and that these are examples that we find regularly in our property transfers, are, is that of Jojo tanks or satellite dishes, uh, playgrounds, Wendy houses, all these type of items. You need to make sure that you understand what is staying in the property and what you can take with. And if you want to take something with you or you want something to be, to be left in the property, you need to specify those items that need to stay in the property. This can definitely cause a bit of frustration, frustration on the seller's part as well as the buyer's part um, and having to manage those expectations of both your seller and your buyer of your ultimate, ultimately when doing your transfer of the property. Thank you for listening and for more information, go to our website stbb.co.za.